Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. This is the WCBS 880 Morning News Roundup. New York and New Jersey now lead the nation in COVID cases, and now... Vaccine eligibility expands to more frontline workers in New Jersey with a big FEMA site on the way. We will get right at the equity. I'm Steve Burns in Newark. Trouble in the Suez may be righted now. Unstuck in the Suez Canal. We'll hear from Deborah Rodriguez about that massive ship that's been wedged. Opening arguments begin today in the trial of Derek Chauvin in Minneapolis. The trial of former officer Chauvin could take up to a month. I think we're going to see much of April dominated by this trial. This really is going to be a defining moment in our criminal justice system. The Elite Eight is all set. Gonzaga moves to 29 and all. And Steve Cohen dines with Francisco Lindor. This is Brad Heller. The WCBS 880 Morning News Roundup. A deeper dive into the stories you need to start your day with fewer commercials. It's Wayne Cabot. Good morning. It's Monday, the last Monday of March. And if you haven't noticed, it's a little windy out there. I mean, a lot windy. I mean, the kind of wind that keeps you up all night. I think a lot of us are a little bit bleary-eyed this morning. Wind gusts have been very, very strong, and we're not done yet. More about that in a moment and the havoc it has wrought. Meantime, New York and New Jersey are worried about COVID cases like we haven't in some time because we now lead the nation in COVID infections again. And so we're opening vaccinations to more people, starting today in New Jersey. A new FEMA vaccination site opening up in Newark. Reporter Steve Burns is there this morning. Steve, good morning. Who is becoming eligible today? Morning, Wayne. It is an expansion to some more essential and sometimes high-risk jobs. We're talking food distribution, postal and shipping workers, warehousing, logistics. Uh, But this is just the warm-up act for what's to come next week. Governor Murphy says he's expecting a 20% increase in vaccine shipments, which will allow for the general eligibility age to drop down to 55 a week from today. Over that week, New Jersey is getting a big leg up from the feds, a new site run by FEMA, going to be opening here in Newark, where Murphy says vaccination rates are still too low. Let me tell you, we just didn't announce this uh, FEMA site by accident. Uh, it's in Newark. Uh, and while it isn't per se only for folks who live in Newark, we're working with the mayor and the local community to make sure the word gets out. Plans are to administer 6,000 doses a day here, seven days a week for at least the next two months. Wayne. Do health experts, Steve, have an explanation for why New Jersey and New York are doing so poorly compared to other states that have opened up and even gone maskless? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, New York and New Jersey are still some of the top states in terms of new infections. Health experts do seem to agree that it may have a lot to do with the more infectious variants that are going around. 
We do have that New York City variant and combined with the UK variant, those now make up a majority of new cases in the five boroughs. We've heard from uh, folks like Governor Murphy as well, saying those variants have likely spread out to the region as well. Thank you, Stephen. Connecticut, by the way, Governor Ned Lamont today will be giving us an update on the expansion of shots to anybody over 16. Connecticut's expected to get an increase of about 200,000 doses per week and will dedicate some clinics to people who have intellectual and developmental disabilities who are thought to be more at risk. We've had a real problem with the wind overnight. Strong wind down the shore collapsed the roof of America's best value inn in Neptune. The rain was coming down so hard, one person said it kind of sounded like a waterfall was over his head. A local bar, the headliner, which is right next to the hotel, did get damaged. A boat at a marina flipped over nearby. Last check we heard from JCPNL, they're still trying to bring the power back to nearly all of Highlands, at least for a while. That was totally knocked out in the black. There were thousands of customers in Union Beach and Rumson and Millstone and Fairhaven who had no power. New York's bodegas are a window into New York City's uneven recovery, something worth looking at. And Joe Connolly is doing that right now with the Morning Money News. Hey, Joe. Morning, Wayne. Some regulars of Francisco Marte's three bodegas in the Northwest Bronx pleaded in recent months to put groceries on a tab. And he's allowed them to buy food on credit and pay when their stimulus checks arrive, as long as they are not buying cigarettes or alcohol. Operating in a rough neighborhood, Marte has learned to defuse tense situations instead of refusing service to unmasked customers. He offers them free masks, and he's talked people out of stealing. About 20 miles away in Park Slope, Samrat and Samiksha Shah recently opened their second bodega in Brooklyn, following the success with their first one selling premium items from organic milk to locally sourced jam. They say we saw the pandemic as an opportunity rather than a challenge. The Punjabi deli in the usually vibrant East Village was popular among cab drivers for its 750 Indian vegetarian platters. But business is still down 70% because owner Kulwinder Singh says the city closes down at 10 p.m. And the lack of tourists in Times Square may force Yusef Mubarak's family to close. He says many landlords are willing to negotiate, but not in Times Square. He says our landlord probably wants to get rid of us so we can bring in some big box store. Yelp estimates 7,000 small businesses in New York may have closed permanently. Wayne? Joe, thank you. One of the big business stories we're watching this morning brings us to the CBS News Desk. Deborah Rodriguez with late news from Suez. Unstuck in the Suez Canal. Engineers, with help from the full moon's rising tides, have partially refloated that container ship that's been wedged across the waterway, backing up traffic for almost a week. The BBC's Sally Nabil. The question is now how authorities here are going to address the huge backlog of ships resulting from the blockage. More than 400 ships are stranded here, waiting to resume their journey. Egypt's canal chief says it'll take three and a half days to get the job done. Many ships have already been diverted around the tip of Africa. That blockage has held up $9 billion in global trade every single day that that ship has been stuck. It matters where you get your news. New Jersey is lowering the limit for the vaccine to 55. In Connecticut, people there as young as 16 will be able to sign up. New Yorkers can dial up proof of vaccination on their phone. New York nursing homes can allow visitors again. WCBS News Radio 880. Live, local, always on.
Let's go to the Weather Center now with the WCBS Exergen forecast on a very windy morning. A lot of people, I think, woke up. I know I did several times during the night hearing the wind just howling out there. And we're not done yet, Craig Allen? No, not at all. Right through the day, Wayne. Wind advisory in effect through the afternoon hours. And uh, we are looking at winds that are sustained between 20 and 30. And they are gusting between 40 to occasionally 50 miles per hour again today. Now, of course, during the squalls last night, some places had gusts over 50, 60, even uh, 72 mile per hour gust in uh, Staten Island. <laughs> westerly, I mean, w- westerly Staten Island, uh, you know, 72 miles per hour is almost hurricane force gusts out there. That was with the squall line. This is just your general March winds, and they're going to stick around all afternoon. 50 to 55 today, tonight's low 40 in the city, and then tomorrow, sunny much of the day with highs near 60. So it's a much nicer day, a quieter day. It's a little gusty, but not like today. And then Wednesday is our next chance of rain with a high of 56 to 62. Right now in the city, 46, humidity, 40%. Craig Allen, WCBS Weather Center. The WCBS 880 Morning News Roundup. Opening arguments in the murder trial of former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin begin this morning. Let's hear how this is being covered locally in the city that spawned so many protests across the nation. From Star Tribune reporter Reed Forgrave. The trial comes 10 months after he kneeled on the neck of George Floyd for nine minutes. Floyd's death began a nationwide reckoning on the proper role of law enforcement and on the historical wrongs society has perpetrated on black people. But in the Twin Cities, the emotions of Floyd's death and its aftermath remain raw and personal. The still-blocked-off intersection where Floyd died has become a shrine of sorts that's known as George Floyd Square. But as some burned-down parts of the Twin Cities are rebuilding, vast sections remain scarred from the aftermath. Of course, the knee on the neck is the key part of this trial, and jurors may not have to wait very long to see the video that caught Derek Chauvin's knee pressing down all that time on the neck. Prosecutors have not said when they will play the video, but... Legal experts say they expect it to be early as part of an effort to remind the jury of what is at the heart of their case. But there is more to the case because there are key questions, likely whether Chauvin caused Floyd's death, whether his actions were responsible. Here's CBS News' Tyler Kindle. The Hennepin County medical examiner did rule Floyd's death a homicide. However, that autopsy report also revealed Floyd had pre-existing conditions and traces of drugs in his system at the time of his death. The defense is expected to highlight those factors to sow doubt Chauvin's actions were ultimately fatal. Again, the opening arguments are today. Let's get to sports now. On Monday morning, the Mets owner Steve Cohen had dinner with star shortstop Francisco Lindor. Saturday night, Brad Heller's here. Brad was uh, doing some of the play-by-play over the weekend, so he's he's now an insider, aren't you, Brad? Tell us about this nine-figure contract extension we're hearing about. Well, let's see. That's what we're hoping for. That's what Mets fans are hoping for. The deadline that Lindor set was opening day. That's Thursday. ESPN first reported the dinner on Saturday night, and Cohen is not shying away from it. Fans were asking him about it on Twitter. What did you eat? What did you have for dinner? He responded yesterday. I had ravioli. He said it wasn't great, though, because the sauce wasn't good, and Lindor had chicken parm. Now, What do we think Lindor will accept? That's the question. He tweeted that, did Cohen, on Friday night, that he was going to crowdsource the answer, and fans were throwing out all kinds of numbers. It looks like, according to reports, that Lindor, it's going to be over $300 million. That's what would get this done. Now, Cohen is going to do an official Twitter Q&A with Mets fans tonight. It's 
being called one-on-one with Steve Cohen. It'll be at 7 o'clock. It's going to be on the Mets Facebook and YouTube uh, channels coming up tonight. Mets played their final spring game yesterday. So did the Yankees. And now we count down to a possible Lindor extension, Wayne, as well as the opener for both teams on Thursday. And we count down March Madness to the Elite Eight now. Yes, three number one seeds are still alive. Also a number two seed, a number three seed, a 6, 11, and a 12. If you had that in your bracket, congratulations. You're probably already winning your pool. The three lowest seeds left are all from the Pac-12, far exceeding any expectations. UCLA upset Alabama in overtime yesterday. It will take on number one Michigan. USC beat Oregon last night, and the Trojans will face the number one overall seed, Gonzaga. Those games will be tomorrow. Tonight, Oregon State can become the first 12 seed to make it to the Final Four. The Beavers take on Houston. Also, Baylor takes on Arkansas. UConn and Baylor meet in the women's Elite Eight. That is tonight as well. Hockey, the Rangers lost to the Capitals in Washington 5-4. The Devils beat the Bruins in Boston 1-0. Brad Heller. Thank you, Brad. Sponsored by Dell. Dell Technologies Advisors focus on you. Offering tailored solutions powered by the Intel V Pro platform to keep your small business ready. Call 877-ASK-DELL. It's a Monday morning news roundup for the 29th of March. Good morning, I'm Wayne Cabot, and here are three things to know this morning. Hey, Long Island Railroad commuters, good news for you. You have more options and more space starting today heading back to work. The railroad is rolling back its most recent round of service cuts. President Joe Biden will be laying out the first part of his multi-trillion dollar economic recovery package this week, and that'll focus on things like railroads and bridges and rebuilding roads. This is the infrastructure plan. There's going to be a separate plan in April addressing child and health care. Many Democrats are ready to bypass Republicans if they have to bust the filibuster. Third thing, did she quit? Was she fired? Reading between the lines might suggest it was a little bit of both when it comes to Sharon Osbourne leaving the talk. In announcing her departure, CBS said that Osbourne decided to leave, but also said it comes after a network review found her behavior on the March 10th episode did not align with our values for a respectful workplace. And our 88 seconds in sound is certainly noteworthy considering the fact that we are now seeing a rise in infections in New York and New Jersey to the point where we now once again Lead the country. Here are 88 seconds in sound for this date, the 29th of March. I would say between 100 and 200,000 deaths. In 2020, some accused Dr. Anthony Fauci of fear-mongering. Turns out that estimate was a vast understatement. I mean, we're going to have millions of cases. Governor Cuomo says non-essential workers in New York must work from home at least an additional two more weeks until April 15th. 2019, Barclays Center, a rock and roll Hall of Fame British invasion, inducting The Cure and Radiohead. And an American became the first woman inducted twice. 22 men in, zero women, and now one woman, that what I am doing is opening up the door. Stevie Nicks. 1999, the Dow pushed above 10,000 for the first time. He doesn't have a lot of time here. And Connecticut beat top-ranked Duke. In this date in 1973, President Nixon declares he's pulling U.S. troops out of Vietnam and says, We can be proud tonight of the fact that we have achieved our goal of obtaining an agreement which provides peace with honor in Vietnam. 1951, Americans Julius and Ethel Rosenberg are convicted and sentenced to death for conspiracy to commit espionage for the Soviet Union. In 1950 in New York, a man called the Mad Bomber sent notes to police Warning of a bomb at Grand Central Terminal. The bomb squad found it, defused it. George Metesky was a disgruntled Con Ed employee. 
It would take seven more years before he was caught and 33 bombs, 22 of which blew up. This is the WCBS 880 Morning News Roundup, a daily download of the news you need to start your day. On air, on radio.com, and delivered to your phone and computer for on-demand listening. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.